When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We co-host Paint Suit Politics, a podcast seeking nuance in political conversation. Along the way, we've realized the rest of life is filled with nuance, too. So we come here each week to commemorate the moments in our lives, moments beyond birthdays, weddings, and funerals, that deserve celebration. It's an opportunity to see ourselves in a new season and to reflect on the messiness of living wisely. everyone. Welcome to The Nuanced Life. We're so happy that you're here. If you are in the Paducah, Kentucky area, Sarah's hometown, we are going to be there this weekend at the McCracken County Public Library. We're going to sign our book at a beautiful flower shop. I can't wait to spend a couple of hours at Flower and Furbish with you, Sarah. So check out our Facebook page and our Instagram stories for more details, but we would love to see you in Paducah this weekend. We're going to share a few commemorations today and also talk about the beginning of Lent. And I think more generally, like what this time of year is like and kind of the transition from winter to spring as my pastor calls it the awkward time. I really love that. I love thinking about this as the awkward time. I think there's something really beautiful about that. But first, a very special Pantsuit Politics and the Nuanced Life commemoration from Elise, our marvelous managing director, has been with us a year. March 6th is the anniversary of her first episode. I mean, I know she's in charge of our calendar and just generally better at time and scheduling, but I don't know, Elise, are you sure it's been a year? I mean, I believe that actually my stress level is way down over the last year when I really think back on it because Elise is here being an angel sent from heaven, doing all the things. There are so many things to say about this commemoration. So the first one is whenever people say, like, how did you find Elise? I always tell Mm -hmm. them she reached out to us. And I feel like the serendipity of that is incredible. From the perspective of Elise, like, this was not her normal Like, she doesn't just randomly reach out to podcasts and say, can I help you? You know, so it's this big step for her, this big step for us to say, why, yes, you can help us. And all of us being compelled to, like, reach outside of our comfort zones, I think, is a beautiful thing. Well, it's so funny because when in the blogosphere and even when we were starting the podcast, I would reach out to women in the community who I respected and who I knew had help. And I would always ask, like, how did you find this person? And they would all say, oh, well, she just, you know, she found me or she reached out to me and I found it so frustrating. <laughs> 
<laughs> because I was like, no, I really, no, you don't understand. I'm looking for someone. But they're right, man. It's like, you just got to wait. You have to wait until the person appears. Now, we put it out there. We were talking about our some of our issues with email and scheduling to our audience and saying, like, we need help with this and we're looking. And so I, mean, I think that's part of it is, like, putting it out into the universe. But there is something, I think, when you're talking about such a closely connected working relationship, like like with someone helping you with your calendar and helping you to prioritize things and organize things, like there needs to be this real connection. And it's so hard to go out and find that. It needs to be, it really needs to be like you put it onto the universe and the person finds you, which is what happened because she's an angel that came from heaven. Heaven. I talk to so many people too who work with people but don't know how to work with people. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing about Elise is that the right person to work with you just makes that relationship feel like magic. Because mm-hmm. Elise works so hard at understanding how both of us think and work. We're very different in our work styles, and I feel like she meets both of us where we are. And that is an incredible gift to both of us. And it also, I think, is a good lesson for people who are kind of struggling with finding some support relationships. Like, you have to let people know who you are so that they can help you. They cannot help you if they don't understand how you work. You have to kind of be real about, like, here are the annoying things that I do. (laughs) You know, here, here are the ways that I fail to communicate sometimes. I need you to keep me honest about this. It doesn't work unless you kind of open yourself up in this really vulnerable way to a person that you trust. I don't do any annoying things. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I do think there's also something about, you know, you only have so much processing power. And it's not just that Elise came in and helped us with these tasks that we were both falling behind on, not great at. But like, even though we weren't doing them well, they were still occupying a part of our brain. And so when somebody comes in and helps you in that way, like, I think the podcast has grown and we were able to achieve more because we could release ourselves from that stuff and focus on the stuff that only we can focus on. I mean, you hear that advice all the time, but it's so true. Well, what I think is true is that the things you're not good at occupy even more space in your brain. Oh, it's so true. Because it's not just here's this thing hanging out there. It's here's this thing that's hanging out there. And it's getting bigger all the time because I'm not attending to it. And also I'm beating myself up for not being good at it. And I'm thinking about how silly this is and I should just be good at it. You know, I can just feel my blood pressure raising as I talk about this because Mm -hmm. I have a couple of these things in my life. And... For Elise to come in and say to me, especially, no, I really enjoy logistics. You guys, the idea of booking a flight makes me almost nauseous. I just am terrible at thinking through all of the things you need to think through when you book a flight. And Elise loves that kind of thing and is so good at it. She writes emails that are just perfection. Like, yeah, mwah, they're so good. And it's just, it's wonderful. We are so grateful to and for her. I can't even put it into words. And I do think that it's taught me a lot of lessons about the rest of life. The kind of lift that you get from someone who really rounds out your team is incredible. So thank you, Elise. We are so happy to commemorate your first year here with Pantsuit Politics and the Nuance Life. Here's to so many more years altogether. Yes. The other thing I think we should say about Elise before we move on is that she's a wonderful human being. Like, she's not just good at all of this work. I really think that was contained in the angel from heaven part. (laughs) 
I just, I feel like we can't belabor the point that she's a wonderful <sighs> human being. And that's another thing. Like, you have to surround yourself in your life with wonderful human beings if you want to get good energy. I feel like I've been in so many conversations about professional situations where people are like, well, the work is excellent, just the person is miserable. Okay, there are lots of people who can do excellent work. You should purge the miserable people from your existence. I mean, not purge them like they don't exist anymore. <laughs> you don't love them. But like you shouldn't work every day with someone that you have that to say about, in my opinion. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I understand that being able to practice mindfulness every day is something we all want to achieve. Sometimes it can be really hard when we are overwhelmed with work and other aspects of life. There is an app I highly recommend, which might help you to be more mindful every day. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is the only app that takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses it all down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Blinkist is made of busy people like you who want to get to the main points of the book quickly without reading the entire book. With an audio feature, Blinkist makes it so easy to finish four books a day while you're on the go. Eight million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, and history books. And I've been using Blinkist a lot for parenting books, Sarah. It's been really helpful to me to find just like one or two really good ideas. And it's also helping me figure out what books I want to spend time on diving into the whole thing versus I got it on to the next one. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash life to start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash life to start your free seven-day trial. Blinkist.com slash life. We also received a commemoration from our friend Heather, who we know from FIMU. She listened to our episode about being in a sorority and is commemorating her time as an alumna advisor. And I think that is a really important commemoration because it's a very different experience to come into anything that you were part of as an advisor or a coach or, you know, just kind of coming into that different role. Here's what Heather said that I really loved. I believe that my sorority experience has prepared me for more life experiences than I could have possibly imagined when I joined FIMU in the early 1990s. Everything from successfully planning a charity event to powering through a bad job interview. I feel that in some way, my sorority experience reinforced the proper tools for social and professional success. Most especially, I learned that you don't have to like someone to love them. That's really good. I love that. She says, being able to acknowledge that you don't care for someone personally, but are still aligned in your larger goals is a skill that most everyone should apply to work, family, church, politics, sports, really anywhere that there's a unified group of individuals. If America could get on board with this, it would be a different country, everybody. Yeah, I think that is so true. I think that the skills you learn about 
a values-driven institution and how to operate inside of it. We talked about this extensively on the other podcast. It's so true. And I love that Heather is commemorating her time as an alumni advisor. I mean, I thought she was the coolest (laughs) when we were in a sorority. She was our advisor for a short period of time. So, I mean, I was affected mainly by how cool she was, but also her wonderful guidance, obviously. Heather's really fun. You know, she's just one of those people who exudes fun. Mm-hmm. I do not exude fun. So I really enjoy <laughs> being around people who do exude fun. And in addition to that, I think Heather's been really clear on her personal priorities, which I think could be something that you gain from the experience of being around lots and lots of really driven women. You know, you, you start to really kind of discern, here's what I'm really driven about. And so I think that that is awesome. But I love this idea of you don't have to like someone to love them. I started thinking like a long time ago about the difference between liking a person and respecting a person and loving a person. And I've realized in my life I'm happiest when I feel two out of those three things about the folks I'm with. I like it. It's like it's like what is the the phrase about cheap? You can have it cheap, cheap, quick, fast and or good. Yes. Right. Yeah. Pick two. (laughs) It's so true. We, I mean, so much of life, particularly in personal relationships, is about what Brené Brown calls stealth expectations. So if we all came in with the expectation of like, here's what I'd love, I'm probably going to get just two of them. Listen, this is a big difference between me and my husband. He comes in with very realistic, often pessimistic expectations. And I come in with very high expectations. And so it just depends on the situation. You know, I always tell a story about I had a car accident when I was graduating from college. And the legal case resulting from that car accident stretched for 10 years. I literally got in the car accident the weekend we graduated. It did not end until our 10-year reunion. And when the attorney told me, don't worry about it, it'll be fine, I never worried about it again. I had very high expectations for the turnout of the case. My husband sweated it for 10 years because he thought it was going to bankrupt us. We were going to get this huge judgment over our insurance. 10 years. So I had low stress for 10 years, but wasn't very excited by the payoff. But (laughs) he had high stress for 10 years. But man, did he celebrate when it was all over. So I guess it just depends on how you want your payoff. I like that. Yeah. Like, love, respect is super helpful. If you can just kind of calibrate that two out of those three are possible with most human beings, you're in a really good spot. And you can overcome not liking someone. We make so many decisions just on do I like this person or not. Mm -hmm. And I think we really rob ourselves of valuable relationships. I've had some very valuable relationships with people that I do not like. But I learned to love and respect them. And so I got a lot of good guidance and sometimes mentoring and sometimes I just learned what I don't want to be from people. <laughs> but but being able to say, gosh, I have a lot of respect for this person, even though I don't personally enjoy them, has been a real like asset in my life. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. A collaboration between four close friends, Warby Parker was conceived as an alternative to the overpriced and bland eyewear available today. Prescription eyewear shouldn't cost you more than a plane ticket or a new iPhone. By circumventing traditional channels and engaging with customers directly through their website and retail stores, Warby Parker is able to provide high-quality, good-looking prescription eyewear at a fraction of the price. The Warby Parker aesthetic is vintage-inspired with a contemporary twist. Every pair is custom-fit with anti-reflective, polycarbonate prescription lenses. Available exclusively through Warby Parker's website and retail stores, glasses start at $95, including prescription 
prescription lenses. Lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. Blue light filtering lenses are also now available. I love my Warby Parker glasses and I might have a little bit of an addiction happening because there are so many more that I want. Every time they send me an email of a new design, I'm like, ooh, I can enjoy those glasses. But they're really comfortable. The price makes it accessible to have more than one pair of glasses. And I love the at-home try-on program. So you can order five pairs of glasses for free and try them on for five days. There is no obligation to buy. They ship for free, and Warby Parker includes a prepaid return shipping label. If you have an iPhone X, make sure to download Warby Parker's app, where you can use their brand-new virtual try-on, allowing you to try on eyeglasses, seeing the realistic color, texture, and size of each style using just your phone. Head to warbyparker.com life to order your your free home try-ons today. We also wanted to commemorate Ash Wednesday, which is the day that this podcast is coming out in the beginning of Lent. Now, did you grow up celebrating Lent in your church, Beth? No, we talked about it, and I was aware of the idea of giving something up for Lent. One year, I got so intrigued with that idea that I decided to give up caffeine, and I got very, very sick uh, because I did not do that in a responsible way. But it wasn't something that I theologically understood growing up. Yeah, no, we did not do any of the liturgical calendar things, which is a real loss. I'll be honest. I love the liturgical calendar. I don't think I really even knew about Lent and giving something up for Lent until college. And I think that was the very first time I heard about it. And not surprising because of my personality, I was all in. I love <laughs> I love challenges. I love especially sort of very objective, sort of date-driven, check it off, you're done, you're finished, you get this big release when you're done kind of challenges. Now, I did attempt to give up chocolate for Lent in college. I made it, I think, a day and a half until I realized I was just alienating everyone around me. I was not ready for that. I'm probably still not ready for that. I did give up social media last year, which was an incredibly positive experience, and I'm going to try to do that again, although I think this year for Lent I'm going to do the Cal Newport digital decluttering. So it wouldn't be just a timeout. It would be a really a time of examination, which I think is the best way to approach Lent is not just, I'm going to give this up and be done. It's I'm going to give this up and use this as a time of self-reflection of examining what's meeting my values, what's not. I mean, I did, I gave up soda several years ago for Lent and it became a time of like where I really started thinking about how does what I put in my body make me feel? I never went back to drinking soda. So I think that I just think there's a lot of there's not a lot of time. I think we've gotten better at using the new year to do this, to to take the time to self-reflect and examine and go through a time of, I mean, even deprivation to to think through your priorities. We've gotten a little bit better about that during the New Year's resolution. But I think that where it's not like a one-day situation, you have 40 days to think through these things and to go through it as sort of winter is wrapping up and spring is coming and there's this time of rebirth. I'll just love it. So tell me what digital decluttering in the Cal Newport style means. Well, I don't know. I haven't started the process yet, but he wrote this new book called Digital Mentalism, and it was based on a digital decluttering exercise he did on his blog, I think a year or two ago. And so he has a process in which you 
eliminate your social media channels and then you really think through what's adding to my life before you bring it back. I mean, it, it strikes me as sort of like the whole 30 of social media. You know what I mean? Mm, so interesting. We're going to dial everything back and then think about really consciously and carefully and intentionally about what we want to bring back. I like that. I haven't decided exactly what I want to do for Lent this year yet, except that I am going to do Aaron Moon's Lent Guide, and I've invited my mom and sister to do it with me on Marco Polo, so I'm really excited about connecting with them in that way. And it may just be that kind of what I give up is the time that I would have spent doing other things while I'm doing that, Mm. um, which I think is good. I, I really like to think about addition instead of subtraction. And I have wanted for a long time to have a daily spiritual practice that involves like actual study, not just meditation or yoga, both of which I find very spiritual and fulfilling, but something where I'm actually kind of diving in to text. And so I'm thinking that that might be what I use this Lent period for. But I wanted to tell you more about Pastor Diana Hodges-Batska at my church talks about how Lent is this awkward time. And I feel like this is a good connection to folks who don't observe it as a religious tradition, but that we're in this awkward time of year where we're Mm -hmm. going from winter to spring. You don't really know what the weather is going to be day to day. The earth is like in this real period of transition And I think there's something kind of special about just holding on to that. One of our listeners, Karen, is reading our book and asked on Twitter for an operational definition of holding the tension. And I feel like this time of year is sort of a manifestation of what we mean when we say holding the tension. You're just between things, you know, and sometimes it's between disagreeing opinions. Sometimes it's between seasons. Sometimes it's this place where you don't really know what's next for you. And there's not much you can do about it to control it. So you sit back and say, well, here's the awkwardness. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be with it. It's the discernment, which is our, our word for this year. It's just observing the differences. Holding the tension to me means holding, not trying to control, not trying to steer, just sitting with it and examining the differences. And, you know, in the in the context of our book, it means looking around at my fellow Americans who are very different from me and not trying to change their minds, but to just hold the tension of our differences and say, we are never all going to be the same. We're not ever going to all feel the same way about something. And that's okay. And I think this time of year, there's this tension between you know, you you hear it in the conversations like somebody, you know, it's we're ready to be done with winter. We're just ready to be done. We, it's like we want to flip a switch and it to be 70 degrees and green everywhere and not in this really beautiful time of year when you do have to discern. You have to look closely for the shoots and coming up out of the grass and the ground. And you have to look closely to see the buds on the tree developing. But when you see it, when you can see it for the first time and you develop that that skill of noticing the slow change, especially in Mother Nature, man, it's so beautiful. I think that there is an equal joy in the first time I walk outside and I notice that bud for the first time. As much as there is in the middle of May when it just seems like nature is showing off. Like they're both beautiful. They're just I'm they're both beautiful in their different ways. And I think this time of year is such a beautiful time to practice that to to not want the the full completion of spring and the Easter to get here, but to just be in this in-between space and to take the quiet and to take the the pause and the slow transition to think through things. 
Because what we do is either control or abandonment. Mm-hmm. When we are uncomfortable with something, it's how do I conform it to my needs or how do I completely banish it from my life? And I think part of Lent is recognizing, I mean, theologically, there's an aspect of Lent for me that is recognizing there are parts of this story that suck, right? And there are parts of being a human being that are terrible and heavy and kind of miserable. And also there is beauty in just recognizing that. It makes me think about my favorite poem, The Invitation by Orion Mountain Dreamer, where she says, I want to know if you can be with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. And I love that sense of I'm not going to try to control and I'm not going to abandon. I'm going to let this work on me. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what the next, you know, 40 days are about for me spiritually. I just want to let this work on me. And I think we could make it that even outside of a religious context and just say this time of year is here to work on us. It's the messy middle. I was just listening to the master class with Judy Bloom on writing, and she talks about the middle is the hardest part. There are people who love writing beginnings. There are people who love writing conclusions. But there are so few people who love writing the middle because it's very difficult to write. And I think the messy middle, whether it's in relationships, which we were talking about the opening of the show, where you're trying to figure out that you're not all in with this person, but maybe you aren't or can't be all out. And so you're having to hold that messy middle of the relationship. And that, I mean, listen, I had a messy middle in my marriage, and I'm sure I'll have another one, where you're just holding the tension of not abandoning, but not being all in. And it's so true with the time of year. It's so true in our own personal, spiritual, psychological, even health journeys. There's always that messy middle. And Lent is such a good time to remember, like, there's nothing we can do about that. Like, we just have to walk through it. We have to walk through the messy middle. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Nuanced Life. We'll be back in your ears on Pantsuit Politics on Friday and Tuesday, right here again next Wednesday. Please keep your commemorations coming. We absolutely love hearing from you. We can't wait to share a couple of commemorations with you next week that are going to be very powerful. Until then, keep it nuanced, Joan. Nuance Life is produced by Dylan Garvin. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. The Nuance Life is listener supported. For $5 a month, you'll receive an extra episode of The Nuance Life at patreon.com slash The Nuance Life. You can connect with us on our website, thenuancelife.com, and follow us on Instagram.